What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Capes on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host for this evening. Joining me to my left, we've got Brock. Hi. To my right, we've got Matt. I was actually invited on a podcast. It's not a three. This is exciting. <laughs> and down below, we've got Manning. Hello. I actually crawled my way into this. I just fought so many people to get on. No, I didn't. I'm glad to be here, though. <laughs> We've got Malcolm. Hello. <laughs> We've got Taylor. Hello. And we have Meredith. Hi there. So today we are talking about the 31st entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jeez. Oh, Ant-Man and the That Lost is one away from the amount of years I've lived. Yeah, show this this franchise has been along for quite a bit. Um, so before we get into the film proper, I kind of want to know where everyone is coming from, um, at least with the Ant Man trilogy. Meredith, I'll start with you. Um, your general thoughts on the adventures of Scott Lang? Uh yeah. So I am a big fan of the first two Ant-Man movies. Um, I think part of it had to do, I had just moved to the Bay Area when the first Ant-Man movie came out. So the fact that it took place in San Francisco, I felt like, ah, oh, yes, I'm getting like uh, acclimated here and I could recognize different, you know, stuff from it. Um, I really enjoy the Ant-Man movies. I love Scott Lang. I love the characters that are involved in his world and how overall it's been such on like a smaller scale, but it's made the, the humor stand out. It's made the character moments stand out. And honestly, it has brought me to one of my favorite things that I've ever learned is learned is that Baskin Robbins always finds out. Um, so I, I love the Ant-Man movies, but I did have low expectations going into see Quantumadium, just based on the scale and where phase four was kind of just all over the place in quality, especially this past year in the movie. So I was a little nervous walking into Quantumania. Understandable. Um, Manning, where where is your um, temperature with the Ant-Man trilogy? Well, the Ant-Man trilogy. Okay, so it's kind of a what? What's the what's the term? A um, oh, it's gonna. It's in the tip of my tongue right now. It's like a the law of diminishing returns, and that's kind of my um, feeling about this series because I love the first Ant-Man. That's one that I've watched over and I've been like, this is just fun, funny. I love the heist mm-hmm. aspect of everything. And Ant-Man of the Wasp, I do like. I do think it's lesser in comparison, just because I think there's too much going on. But I love still. It feels still small stakes. It's really kind of fun. And when we got to this one, I feel like this one, they tried to insert the Ant-Man in a Marvel, in a formulaic Marvel film where it doesn't feel like Ant-Man. And that's kind of like what I'm going to leave it there. But I love the other two. Excuse me. I love the first one. And I like Ant-Man of the Wasp. So that's all. That's my tidbit. Nice. Malcolm, what about you? Um, yeah, for me, um, like I really enjoy the um, Ant-Man movies. Like, um they do end up in, in in the middle of my MCU rankings, but that's not saying much because it's not really an MCU movie that I actually don't like. So, um, but um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy my my favorite out of the trilogy is probably Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, 
at the moment, but maybe with more watchings, Quantumania can overtake that, but yeah. And Taylor, what about you? Ant-Man, to me, is kind of like if you go into Walmart and you find a big bin of, like, $5 movies and you see all the all the ones at the top are, like, the good Marvel films, you know? And then Ant-Man is at the way bottom that you're going to have to, like, dig down for and search. That's 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 kind of where Ant-Man is at for me. That, that, that's where I find all my favorite movies, so... <laughs> All right, Matt, what about you? Um, I Yeah, I was telling uh, you and Brock before we we got on that uh, the first Ant-Man movie since it came out has been in my top three Marvel movies. Scott Lang, he's he's always been in my top five characters, you know, like Steve Rogers, like ever, ever since the first movie. Um, I enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp. I did enjoy it more than the first movie, but still every time the characters uh pop up in somebody else whether it be civil war or um or endgame i've always been excited um and going into this movie uh because i sort of had this thing after endgame uh was what i'm looking forward to are more guardians movies and more ant-man movies so i was excited just to see this this movie um the trailers were were good I wouldn't say I was like overhyping myself. And I think that was the best way I went into this was just like, I'm excited to just see another chapter in the Ant-Man uh, films. And this movie is, we're going to get into this. I, I need to see it again, but it, it, it might be my favorite of this trilogy. I, I thought this was a spectacular film. Nice. Shock nice. Pikachu face from Manny. <laughs> <laughs> or surprised. I'm sorry. No, yeah. your memes. Not oh, fine. Yeah. Brock I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not me. the meme police. <laughs> ah! Get your words uh, right. Brock, I know I know we talked already about um Quantumania, but what what are your thoughts on the first two Ant-Man films? What I I just I just loved it. I, I love them. It's hard for me to not like Paul Rudd in anything. He's just one of those people that is like genuinely I'm taking joy in a syringe and just injecting it into my arm. He's just a pleasant person to see on screen i love paul rudd and and mike michael douglas i always have to mention it whenever michael douglas is in a movie that michael keaton's acting name is michael keaton because his real name is michael douglas and he couldn't take it because of michael douglas oh. random youtube trivia I um not that. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry his real name's michael douglas but uh yeah he just how did they first. not had a movie where they play brothers now you got me but i always wanted it since i learned that get on it uh, they, I love the little, the, the groups that people put together. I really like that. And it's weird how I'll mention that I didn't even realize that Paul, that Scott's group wasn't in this until Mike pointed it out to me while we were reviewing it because it didn't phase me. But uh, yeah, I really like it. I'm going to tell you, CW, I'm glad you're dumb at dropping shows that it gave Catherine Newton a chance to be in this movie because she would have been tied down with one of the 1400 supernatural spinoffs you wanted to cancel and now she's doing better so your loss <laughs> i liked it uh CW's might be my second my favorite game. i gotta watch but yeah exactly i i loss. agree with matt in that um the ant-man movies have always kind of been at the top of my list um and one thing one thing i like about all three is that even though they are kind of stylistically different like the first movie is Yes. Most mostly a sci-fi heist film. 
uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is is kind of like uh, a newer version of like those old um, like Disney live action films from the 60s. And yeah. then and then Quantumania, which we'll get into next, is pretty pretty much the Fantastic Four movie that Peyton Reed never got to make. And that's one of the many reasons why I love this movie as much as I did. Fair enough. So now we'll we'll start to get into the movie itself. Um, Manning, I'm going to start with you first. Um, what were your thoughts on Quantumania? Uh, I I think I'm I think I'm sensing a pattern here where people try to not try to. We're, let me restart. I'm sensing a pattern here where people are beginning to also have the same mentality of like, don't we? They didn't have high expectations going into this because the trailers, they're good. But they really didn't feel like an Ant-Man movie. And what I mean by that is I think that despite, d- despite obviously, I guess, differences, the same director and whatnot, Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp felt like, okay, these are Ant-Man movies in, in a way where they felt like very low stakes personal films. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium, as I said earlier in my intro, tried to inject that, but in a, what I felt was a very pre-made Marvel formulaic story. Um, about a setup for, uh, uh, which is basically a, a setup for their next Avengers film. Um, and I have nothing wrong with that. That's just kind of like how comic books and comic book movies in this case are, are that's how they are. Um, and I'm okay with that. But to me, it feels like by trying to do both, they effectively kind of uh, undercut themselves. And while they set up some aspects, which Jonathan Majors, like, oh, like, we will. I will sing his praises all day, and I'm probably won't be the only person. He is the best part about this movie, in my opinion. Woo-hoo. Love, 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 love him. Um, but outside of that, I was really left underwhelmed with the movie. And the more I think about it, the more I'm just kind of left with a sour taste in my mouth. Um, and I, I'm, I'll see it again eventually. But this one just felt very antithetical to what I felt like an Ant Man movie should be. And by the, by trying to inject Ant Man in there with some of his those really. Hollow emotional beats I was like okay let, let's not really feeling it as much as i did but you know what different uh different i guess opinions and i'm excited to hear what y'all's are i've got a point to make about that in a second but before we get there taylor um your thoughts on quantumania um a little bit the same like the more i think about it the more it sours for me but I thought it was just like super, super underwhelming. Um, I, I'm not too big on Ant Man uh, in the MCU. I mean, I love Paul Rudd as Ant, but and I love like the interactions with him and Cassie. Like that's where the movie shines for me. But overall, the Ant Man movies are just like like super average. Like nothing really special about them. Just like. Like they're just they're just kind of there. All right, Malcolm, what about you? Um, yeah. So, um, it's I, I actually kind of like the fact that they decide to sort of do something different of Ant Man and like use him to sort of kickstart um the MCU to lead up to um Kang Dynasty. Um, because I think is with the perfect way to do it especially with the whole quantum realm time traveling type stuff um but yeah i mean i i enjoyed it more than i thought i was like 
well, yes, I did miss the, um, Luis and like um, the rest because I, I honestly I think um, the perfect opportunity to get a Infinity War saga recap from Luis is would have been at the start of this one, um, but um, at least we got um, one of the actors come back. I'll get more of that. We get there, but yeah, and uh, Meredith, your thoughts. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I can't say that I love it or it's in like my top 10 of Marvel movies. There have been so many at this point, but I I have seen this movie twice now and I can't get over that I enjoy so much of this movie. There are things that uh, do leave me like a little underwhelmed, particularly like I miss uh, Louise and um his friends and even judy greer like why couldn't we see maggie lang one more time um yeah seriously like use judy greer so i missed them and i wish we had a little bit more time in san francisco before we moved to the quantum realm i also think there were another problem that i saw was like they really kind of pushed uh hope uh the wasp uh to kind of the background in this movie but it was more in service of michelle pfeiffer who i thought was incredible in this movie like this is why you dreamcast her and get her to be a part of your ant-man movie i i know jonathan majors is everyone's mvp rightfully so he is so good as this version of kang and i love that as opposed to how we saw him in the end of Loki, we're seeing this like very intimidating, um, commanding presence that like, you are fearful for everybody who comes in contact with him. Like he could wreck you in just a second. But yeah, so between Jonathan Majors and Michelle Pfeiffer, I just thought it was really good. I really loved the character dynamics between Scott and Cassie. I really loved even, we are totally going to get into this, but I personally liked MODOK a whole bunch. And I liked the way they tied in Darren Cross, like Mm -hmm. making this truly a trilogy of Mm -hmm. kind of paying off some of the uh the conflict that was there between them that i didn't feel was earned in the first ant-man movie it was kind of like you just are adversaries for the sake of this where this felt like oh there's baggage here and i think it works um while visually like it's not as impressive uh everything else about it still works even the humor works in this uh with like William Jackson Harper and Bill Murray showing up for a hot second. Like I just had such a good time with it. So um, yeah, that's, that's me in short. Nice. Um, Matt, did you see this movie in uh, 3d or, or standard? Uh, I saw it in Dolby. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's, that's how I go. I, I get headaches with 3d glasses. So thank God for Dolby. Okay. You know, oddly enough, I was converted to 3D around last year when I saw um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Don't lie. It was Titanic recently. Don't lie. <laughs> yes, Matt. Yes. <laughs> I mean, out, to be fair, out. I did. To be fair, I did see, see DiCaprio's face just come into the screen for you. Mike was like, draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> Listen, that was great 3D adapting or whatever. That was fantastic. 
It Once again, I'm the everything. podcast. Like, what are we, 18 minutes in? <laughs> Can you match the green hornet, though? <laughs> um, so you 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 think you think this is probably your favorite of the of the trilogy? Yeah, probably. I need one more watch to solidify, but probably it is. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a gigantic Star Wars fan. I was talking with Brock and Mike beforehand, um, and it, as per usual, I plug stuff. Uh, I just wrote an article on my WordPress about this. Um, I think this has scratched an itch from Star Wars that I haven't had since Rise of Skywalker. I love the fact that the Quantum Realm, despite the fact Scott Bakula is not in it, missed opportunity there, Marvel! Um, I, I love that it, it feels like a lived-in world that's been operating um, cause I think too often in science fiction stories, when we build these new worlds, it, there's always this tendency to make it like, I don't know. There's just, sometimes it's just like, well, this world was just created right now. And this wasn't like when they go to the bar and they meet Bill Murray, there's so much of, you know, and, and how Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, like that scene when she fights the dude and cuts his arm off. It's just like, this is a world that has been happening and we don't get to know everything about it. Kind of like the original Star Wars. Like we don't kind of get to know everything. And that's nice because that is like, you know, when you go to like, I'm an American, when you go to Europe, like people don't just sit there and explain to you their entire world, you know, that's been operating for all these years. And, and Visually, it was stunning. Jonathan Majors as Kang. He had so much Darth Vader in him. And 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 not just look-wise, but presence. Like that presence mm-hmm. Darth Vader has in something like Empire Strikes Back, he brought to this. And I really enjoyed that because I feel like since Thanos, the MCU hasn't really had that kind of a villain. And I didn't watch Loki, so this was my intro to Kang. And I'm so excited that this is the Thanos of this, you know, sort of what we're building to. Um, Scott Lang, I, I really liked that this was really mm-hmm. the first time he's been asked to be a real, like, hero. Like, he, he going up against someone like Kang, and, and we really get to sort of see him get pushed to that. And, and that, that moment of, I don't need to win. We both just need to lose was just such a, a great moment. And this is the guy who fought next to Captain America and Captain America's whole deal was I can do this all day. And I, I loved seeing that this guy character that I loved, who was always the funny side hero has that heroic, you know, Luke Skywalker personality to him. Um, I do agree that that hope um, was a little sidelined, but um, I, I think it was in service of Janet, who um, you can make an argument she's more of the main character of this movie because so much of this movie revolves around her actions, both present in this and also for 30 years in the quantum realm. And that was great because Janet was good in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but here, you know, this, this is the first time she's a full character. Um, Cassie, I, I thought Catherine Newton added so much because I like the fact that, you know, her intro scene is her in jail, but I like the fact that she's not a bad kid. And, and I love that she spends so much time with Hank. And, and so she's gotten that sort of like Michael Douglas in the first movie kind of way about her. And I really like that. Um, and I like the fact that, you know, the whole, you know, 
um, tap and push. Like she, she's just learning the ropes and that's fun to see. And it's fun to see. And Hank, like, look, that man just loves his aunts. That man just loves his freaking aunts. And you got to respect that like that. And Michael Douglas is so hilarious. You know, and, and I think, and I was talking with some friends about this and, and even just doing this now, even hearing, you know, Manning with his, um, you know, criticisms that he has for the movies and everything. This is a movie that makes me smile when I think about it. And, and that is also why I say it scratches that itch for Star Wars for me, because that is a series that when I think about it, it makes me smile. And, and, and that's been lacking for me in the MCU since Endgame. So, yeah, hit me up with your pitchforks and, and torches. Uh, but, yeah, I, I adored this movie. Um, yeah, the Star Wars of the MCU for me. Honestly, there's, there's a lot that you said that I pretty much agree with. Um... One one thing that I've I really noticed about this movie is that it's it's titled Ant Man and the Wasp, not Scott Lane Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, and it's it's cool that we actually get to see both generations like actively involved in the narrative. That is a great point because Janet was Wasp way before Hope was. Yeah, she's yep, that's, exactly. So there's an the argument that said... it is an Ant Man and Wasp movie. It's just not the Wasp we've been watching. Yeah. Not to plug my own stuff, but I totally write about that in one of my Collider articles about the Wasp. So just I just nice. plugged my WordPress before, so you you have a much better right ahead. To plug, so you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I just want to point out we have a um, Rotten Tomatoes certified critic on the panel. Nice, that's amazing. Hmm. I did not know that. Awesome. It's not Manning. <laughs> no, be, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not. I'm clapping for Meredith. I'm yeah, not. Thank you. Thank say, you. Malcolm, you got certified? I knew Greg was <laughs> popular, but I can clap for other people. Yeah. And feel sad for myself. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. He did the Oscars right. clap. He did the Oscars. Like <laughs> I lost. It's okay. It's slightly above the bulk clap. It's fine. <laughs> um so Brock, one of the things we talked about in our um our Marvel Hour review is that I kind of wish we saw a little bit more of of Cassie before she was thrown in prison. Um, do you do you think do you think that would have maybe um, strengthened the arc that um, she and Scott have together? No, because. Man, I don't even know how much they knew they wanted to use Cassie until this film because she's had three different actors. <laughs> oh, yeah, Never take right. one of them would have needed a lot of aging up, but like, what happened to the girl from Endgame? Like, <laughs> I think they made the choice that Cassie was going to be important when they started writing Ant Man 3. But, um, like, they and it took a lot of it's like, duh, she hadn't seen him. There was one point in the movie, and we'll get about it when we talk to the talk about it. That should have been someone else doing a very important thing. That would have strengthened it. That made no damn sense to me. That Hope did it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get, get there. Um, yeah, it's just I like I wouldn't have minded just seeing a little. If I wanted Louise to do anything, I wouldn't have minded them doing the intro to Cassie's life because I again I totally forgot that they weren't in the movie until Mike brought it up when we were doing the review four hours later that night. My brain just went, but, uh, cause in my brain, uh, Hank, Hope and, uh, Janet, Janet are all gone. Who was raising Cassie? 
them. It had to be them. Was Louise even dusted? No, I don't think anyone else was. I think his whole crew is fine. That's a good point. We'll never know. So, like, I would have loved the little intro of, like, she's kind of a little itty-bitty wanting to be a thief because, A, she's close with Hank, and also she was raised by, like, four careers. But I think they... <laughs> they get around that with who she is by when you realize how much time she's been spending oh, with with Hank. No, I get that. I'm like, if you were going to have them in the movie for a little bit, that would have been a good extra. Yeah. Because to me, the fact that they weren't in the quantum realm meant you didn't have another four people that couldn't fight anyone and had to hide from gunfire for the entire movie. So I was very okay with them sending the four people that could have took care of themselves in there at the end and if they were only going to spend roughly four seconds in not the quantum realm i was like okay i get partially why other than ti you know being ti why they weren't in there which i still don't understand how they cast a ti in the movies in the first place that was so random um right i liked it there was parts of me that thought there was a couple of story points that they had too many plot like i want to say plot ideas going at once that they all worked, but at the end, there's one specific point that kind of makes one of them not work for me as much. Also, but no, we'll, we'll talk about it later. I liked it. I thought there was at points where it feels felt overstuffed, but also it was just, it was great. I wanted to feel in this movie like someone could take care of Thanos. I wanted that from Kang because we need to be scared of this guy. And I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I could see him beat Thanos in a fist fight. And he beat Hulk in a fist fight. So... I just wanted to see Jonathan Majors with his shirt off fist fighting Thanos. Like, did you see that beach photo of him that dropped before the movie? Well, in March, you get to kind of see him fight Killmonger with his shirt off. That's what I'm waiting on. I'm like, you get to see an anime version of that with him. Like, there's frames stolen from Dragon Ball Z of those fights. It's going to be... Jonathan Majors is great. He's going to be so good. And we're going to get to see multiple versions of him as Kang throughout while we're waiting. It's so great. You get to play one character 16 different ways, most likely. How much more do you score? Yeah, that's like the best thing for an actor to just be like, I get to do all of these? Exactly. Oh, that was my one complaint where like, they wasted Kang in this movie. I'm like, which one? Which one? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There was a thousand of them in the end credit scene. Which one did they waste? We'll we'll get to that in a second. I like the but... one really hype boy in the post credit scene. Oh going, yes. Arr, arr. Um, <laughs> but going back to the absence of like Louise and that just briefly is it makes me wonder if like Michael maybe Michael Pena and Judy Group were busy because I'd like to think they try to get them to do, play oh, yeah. a character in different character in the quantum realm. Um, this a, would be interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, Malcolm. Because um, while the tr- like while the trio is not in the film, David Delsmelchin um, plays a new character named <laughs> Veb, who was great. Um, yeah, Veb, Veb is delightful. <laughs> um, Taylor, I know I know you were kind of mixed to negative on the film, but aside from Kang, what what would you say are some of the highlights for you? I really liked uh, Scott and Cassie's dynamic. Like uh, t- when they're together, that's like the highlight of the film for me. Like I, I, I know it's uh, like a small, like silly moment, but the whole jump and tap thing, I loved because it's just him and her like bonding, and she's like 
no uh like did, did you see that and she's like no you're like this small <laughs> like that uh i really love you know just the humor of them and uh kang was really great as well but other than that it most of it is just like meh to me you know there there's something full that um comes full circle when it comes to scott and cassie's relationship because in the first movie it was hope that was showing scott the ropes of how to be ant-man and now in this one yeah, scott is like right, passing yeah. the torch to stature which i thought was really cool i went to prison i was in prison for four years i know how to punch <laughs> that's how you punch <laughs> so my uh, fourth what I will agree with Taylor on by saying, I think those are the moments where Ant-Man, well, Ant-Man has always shined in those character moments from like even just uh, Luis picking up back in the first Ant-Man, just picking him up out of prison. Like those small character moments where, he, where Paul Rudd, who is just incredibly charismatic, no matter who he is, who said, who said on the podcast that like you could watch anything with Paul Rudd? Because whoever said that, I don't remember who said it, but you were... Yeah. Rock, well, you I might right. not have been on your podcast, but here I watch him in anything. Oh, here. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, right here on the, on the pod. Yes. Anything. You did it. Yes. Uh, he is fantastic. And I, I like he is he loves this character, you can tell. And that just kind of pours through. I think to me, where everything it wasn't the actors, to me, I think where this really started to fail and falter is the juggling all the different plot threads where some not that they didn't go anywhere but they felt really kind of haphazard like the entire modok stuff like i don't know when we want to talk about modok which again i i loved the kind of the brazenly silly design like they went full ham and i'm i'm here for it and then they kind of did the thing that marvel does a lot of the times which i'm really starting to despise because i i can't stand thor love and thunder because of this it does it so much um, where they undercut themselves emotionally by throwing in a joke and making it not serious. I cannot stand that. Uh, and that happened, especially with the character of Modoc, who's just a walking joke at this point. Like, listen, I don't like yeah. Darren. Spoiler, obviously. I don't like Darren Cross whatsoever as a, as a character. I don't have any emotional attachment, but kind of like, I don't know. It's stuff along those lines where they try to come back at you with like, oh yeah, but he could be good. Don't be a dick. Remember that entire line? <laughs> May, had no know, emotional Derek. weight to it. No emotional weight to the it. With Cass, the moment with Cassie was funny. But bring no, it up. I, so I don't know. I was dying at the brother lied and Paul Rudd's reaction. That, I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like, it's like, really? You're, this guy is literally, di I mean, he's a joke in and of itself. But I don't know. I feel like by undercutting themselves, that's why they're, that really feels emotionally hollow to me. It's like I, the same thing when, like, and back Thor and Love and Thunder, I'll bring it back up, when Sif was quote unquote dying and like all this horror would happening mm. and they're like oh wait my arm I'll be fine oh come on people like that's my problem with the Marvel Universe movies in comparison to this one and Quantumania just double down on I, stuff like I that. I will which... push back a little on the the Modoc death scene I think it's almost like the writers knew no one's going to be emotionally attached to Darren Cross dying so let's not make it like it's something like this is not Tony Telling his daughter, I love you 3,000. This is Darren. A dude, most people probably forgot the name of the villain. So let's make a joke and a really great. It's almost plays into it because the brother line is almost like, that's like a revenge of the Sith. You were my brother. And their reactions are like, how? What? How did you get there, Darren? How? Oh, okay. Okay. And you're, admit, you're right. Even, even, even I true. forgot about, even, even I forgot that. 
Darren Cross was his name, or even how he died in the first in the first Ant Man. Modok was um, a throwaway character, regardless. But him aside, I do feel like a lot of the plot threads, him included, uh, some of the really horrendous use of exposition, like the entire like I love the stuff with Kang. I do not like exposition when it becomes that much because I want to go back to Cassie and Scott and their relationship because he this guy's trying to be a father and I feel like it undercuts itself by trying to do too much because I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I want to know about the emotional side of him being a father and yeah, what that what that means after 5 years of being gone. And I wanted him to explore that yeah. more. Well, I think we got some of that definitely like after he picks Cassie up from jail, which side note, I just realized like how that is thematically. That's yes. when we meet Scott. This that's is how right. we're meeting Cassie. Like brilliance right there. Um, just seeing kind of their dynamic as he picks her up and like clearly he just cares about being a dad. He does not want to be an Avenger anymore. And the moment that really like stuck at like stuck the landing for their dynamic is like right before when like well a scott go like staring king in the face and saying do not you will not touch my daughter again mm -hmm. i have never seen paul rudd attempt to be intimidating but i felt like scott really coming through there and that was such a good moment Agreed. and then oh yeah and then when uh Cassie runs up to hug him before he jumps into the probability storm. And he's like, I love you, Peanut. Brings us right back to the first Ant-Man movie for me. So, like, I, oh, those are the moments, man. Like, that the top I, moment for me was in the middle of that probability storm when you see all of them swirling around. Yeah. And all of them stop acting like absolute idiots the second they realize Cassie's talking to him. Yeah, like no, we're getting them up there, guys. Go stop, um, stop being idiots. Get him up there, and they literally form a nature-like ant hill to get him up to Cassie. <laughs> I Love agree, Brock. I, I was going to bring up. I was going to bring up that moment because I feel like this is one of those times to where Scott lost all this time. You know, he he went into you know the quantum realm, and Cassie was a little kid, and he came out, and now she's mm -hmm. you know an adult. And I think it's one of those things to where it's it's sometimes in in movies and in life, I guess, but like in movies, the actions of a father speak louder than the words he can. And I feel like that is what this movie showed is that, yes, maybe we didn't get a lot of Cassie and Scott talking, but moments like in the probability when all the different Scots join together to take care of her. It, you know, and for me, it's it's that moment when Kang has her um, up against the wall and he's like, I'm going to kill her and then I'm going to make you rewatch it over and over again. And just that, like, Scott knows this guy is bad. I should not help him, but I'm going to do this for my daughter. And 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 I thought that was wonderful. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I do agree. Yeah, I would have loved more, but I also think Cassie and Scott uh, aren't dead. So we're going to get more of them together. And yeah. and this was a great starting point. And yeah, I love her intro, um, how it mirrors her dad. And, and she definitely um, gained some of Scott's, um, you know, kind of smarminess because that moment with the cop car where she's like, oh, but then again, by the way, I did find this, you know, yeah. uh, she, she definitely, even, even though he's gone for over his years, uh, he definitely had an influence on her. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's also a little bit of Hank in there, too, because she's been spending a lot of time with Grandpa Hank. There was a Wait, lot of Michael, that, Michael Douglas in her, too. Oh, yeah. The fact that she said Grandpa Hank, 
I got so emotional over that. Like she, she views them as family in that way. Um, even though I'm pretty sure Scott and Hope aren't married, they're just dating or whatever. That's what I asked Mike if I missed that during the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree, and and I love that too, and I love that that. But you know what? Again, going back to, I'm gonna keep hitting this point. Going back to the Star Wars comparison. Star Wars since that first movie is is a film about found family. Ben Kenobi mm-hmm. was not Luke Skywalker's father, and yet in that movie, he takes the place of his father. Hank is not her biological grandfather or even legally binding grandfather, and yet she refers to him as Grandpa Hank. And you get the sense that like ever since he came out, they've been spending all this time together, and he's 100% been showing her his aunts, and she's had no interest. She wants the quantum row, but you know, every time she wants to work on quantum, he's like, yeah, but but Cassie, look look at the ants. Look at what the ants are doing. It's and I, just, I want... I want scenes of that. I want scenes in the next movie of just him be like, yeah, but Cassie eats. Um, and Janet, like- I, I like too with, with that dynamic as well. I like the idea that, and again, this I, I like the fact that this is a movie to where we walk into a pre-existing world. I like the fact that like Hope and Cassie have definitely been trying to get stuff about the quantum realm out of her and she doesn't want to talk about it until it's too late. And then you realize, well, maybe if you, if you smoke, Janet, we wouldn't be in this mess, but she didn't speak. Like that moment when she's like, why didn't you tell me about this? Like, it's like, we tried to, we tried to tell you about this. And you didn't listen to us. Also the pizza scene. That, yes. The pizza that scene. had to be yes. a reference to Back to the Future Part 2. It had to be. I, I was my bed coming through. It had to be. Um, um, uh, wait, Taylor, you had, you had something to say. Oh no, nothing. No, no, me. Like, I? <laughs> oh. yeah, no. Um, I I really hope that we get do get a Cassie standalone series down the line, and maybe do flashbacks to show her life, sort of. Um, but like pre- before this movie, um, biz- to give a little bit more insight to what she has been doing and during that time, and I really think that. Um, I think Catherine Newton's probably here to stay as Cassie. I don't think there's going to be another recast. I think, and I think that's part of the reason why they probably recast from Emma to um, Catherine Newton. I think they knew that Cassie was going to have a lot more going forward in the MCU, and they probably wanted an actress that kind of can do a lot more. Um, so, does it? It's to me, it's the Shadowcat situation from the X Men series, like. You had two different actresses before you settled on um on Elliot Page. So, mm. yeah, I I forgot there was a there was a different um Kitty Pride before. Barely Elliot. ever see him. Barely. Yeah, in yeah. the first one, she just runs through a door, and Logan's like, "What's that about?" Yeah, but she was like a little kid back then. No, that's the second one. The second one, she's <laughs> like a child running through the door. Or we think in the second one. It's, 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 been a, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's, it's X-Men. It doesn't make any sense anyway. That's true. Five That's like a good point. Powers. It's fine. Stan Lee's just like, I don't know. I just wrote these things. Excelsior. Always. Um, I want to bring back a point that Manning uh, brought up that there. this movie tries to juggle a couple different uh, narrative threads and what one of them that I noticed um, a little bit more the second time was this whole arc about Scott becoming an Avenger again. 
and that and that was kind of inspired by um the freedom fighters that they meet in the quantum realm and and also the line in in his book you know you have to stand like don't forget to stand up for the little guy um i think the like the second time i saw this movie um i i i noticed i noticed i wasn't as big a fan of that that plot as i was just the general through line of scott wants to be scott just wants more time with his daughter and i think if they tight if they tightened up the script a little bit more they could have um they, they could have blended those two a little bit more seamlessly like the reason why he's so protective of cassie why he doesn't want her to follow in his footsteps is because he's afraid of losing her again like and does that make oh, any sense Definitely. i was actually going to agree because i wanted to clarify my point a little further and i by saying that's where i find that side of scott lang infinitely more interesting than just trying to be an avenger because that's him at his most vulnerable with him trying to be a father and like those moments like with the cop car like that yeah like that stuff is great because when he's picking her up like as you were saying meredith like when he that's a parallel and i love it when we have stuff like that because they are where to me, that's where the movie really shines is when he gets to be a father or he's having that struggle or when he's fighting Kang and, you know, and it's basically kind of almost about he's doing this for Cassie. Yes, he's an Avenger, but that plot isn't as necessarily as it's not as in what's the word engaging as probably when he's at his most human. And that's why the Ant-Man movies have always been the most with their smaller stakes have been they're human because Scott Lang, while he's definitely super powered, he's probably one of the most human out of all the different Avengers that we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I think it's significant that there are only two dads on the Avengers uh, lineup, uh, mm -hmm. Hawkeye being one of them, but yeah. we don't see him being a father being the motivation necessarily for him being an Avenger. Like he was a shield agent for all these years. Like we didn't see like how he, became part of shield and what have you but it is very clear from the moment we meet scott lang in ant-man that's exactly why he is doing what he's doing and i also agree with that manning i think the reason why scott is such a great hero is when he gets to be a dad and that is where he shines and i am so glad that through all of the quantumanium stuff like that is still at the core of this movie and that's what that's why i love scott and i will keep coming back to him as one of my favorite heroes yeah i agree i, I think it adds a great humanity to his character that is is a little different from like steve rogers like that that dude was just like i mean that there was like a world war ii guy like he's you know you you lay on the bomb and everything where scott lang it's like his heroicness is just like i love my family and i do agree you know, for as much as I love this movie, obviously it's not 100% perfect. Uh, no, no movie is. I, I do agree, Manning. They, they, there could have been, like, as you were saying that, I was thinking there could have been a moment, like, in Incredibles with Mr. Incredible and, and Mrs. Incredible uh, when he says, I can't lose you again. Like, you could have had a moment like that that I think could have just tightened in a little bit more. However, that moment when he turns into Giant Man and he thinks Cassie is in the rings and he just goes full, like not caring about anything, just going towards the rings like that. that you was do great. see that, Agreed. but um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I, I think, but I also, 
do like that kind of arc of you start the movie off of him like i i was an avenger but i'm not anymore and, and that line to kang to where he's like i've called all the avengers and they're coming everything and then kang almost is just like i don't care if you're an avenger that doesn't matter i killed like that moment where he's like are you the one with the hammer and i kind of think the movie by the end does show that like going forward that isn't what's important with scott is that he's an avenger is that he's a dad and and i think going forward with this character i think that's a really great way to end this movie is that the that familial unit is is going to be important come the you know kang dynasty and everything and i'm excited for that yeah but i do agree i i think there like i said you could have if you had that incredibles moment it, it could just tighten it a, a little bit more that's one of the things that I spoke earlier that I thought the plot threads didn't work in a certain part and the I'm not going to lose you again moment. It should have been Cassie that came back through the portal to come and get him instead of Hope. Because I'm going to be honest yeah. here, hmm. most of the conversations post-Quantum Realm, other than when he went into the probability storm, was Cassie kind of jabbing him in the ribs about how he didn't want to be an Avenger anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. He didn't need to be. Yeah, I, I and, think that's just. Yeah. I think that becomes the we haven't given Hope a lot to do. Let's give her a badass moment to come I, and, I, I and save that. her, man. I, I, I do get agree that, with that, but you. The whole thing is how Scott missed years of her life because of several moments where he's locked away somewhere. Now here's the point where Cassie's gonna go, nope, and she's gonna risk getting stuck over there, and they could have had the exact "I'm not losing you again" oh, no, moment I, where yeah. she's like. It, guess what? If I'm stuck somewhere, I'm being stuck with you. I haven't had you for my whole life. No yeah. reason that it should have been. And again, being who Cassie is, I wouldn't have cared if both Hope and Hank tried stopping her. She would have KO'd both of them on the way through that portal to get yeah. you mad. Um, that made yeah. no sense to me whatsoever. I, I'm with you there. And the subsequent, like the following uh, I love you between Scott and Hope just didn't feel earned for me as much as I love that couple. Just because they sent spent so much time apart in the quantum realm like you really didn't feel a sense of urgency of them trying to reunite with each other in the same way mm -hmm. and yes i think that if cassie would have gone gone through and even if there was a struggle like they couldn't immediately get them back to san francisco like that would have that really would have uh cleaned that up and made it more uh emotionally satisfying i think um it didn't take away from my full enjoyment, but that was definitely something like, I think it was like a last minute, like decision, like actually we're going to make it hope instead because of the way like they had set everything up. Uh, yeah. I mean, like had they given hope more to do to, to lead up to that, to make it earned, yes. then I probably would have, um, that would have made sense. But for the most of the movie, hope was too busy getting annoyed at Janet for not telling her stuff. And it didn't seem like she was more interested in, going to find scott um and um and it's just one of those ones like zai too had issues with that um moment as well um and i do wish it was cassie but the other thing i did have an issue with is um the rules of the quantum realm itself because um in um in an uh, end game they it, like scott was who i don't know how long scott was there because i think he said he was um but I mean, Bolly, I think he said he was there for about five hours, but it was five years or something to that extent. Um, it seemed like they got out of this instantly, whether or not it was a time travel sort of thing that they're not saying. Um, but the fact that it did the whole thing pretty much 
the end was pretty much bearing their start. But it didn't seem like there was any time lost when they jumped out of the quantum realm this time. Well, that could also just be the problem that if you go from Back to the Future to Terminator to Quantum Leap, it's it's just the problem of time. most time travel things don't like to listen to their own. They were in a different layer of the quantum realm, Malcolm. It works different. How yeah, it's, it, time, time travel is always very much. It's just like... It, it, you know, Endgame didn't even really listen to its own time travel rules that they established in the same movie. And we yeah, still loved it. That's true. Yeah, yeah. but I Absolutely. going back to the Cassie thing, I, I think the reason is maybe also because they kind of established that Cassie's the only one who really understood this technology, so if she got trapped, there's really no way to bring them back because it's like, Hank, Hank yeah. could help her technology-wise, but once you take him away from ants and shrinking things, he doesn't know these things. And and hope, may I don't know. It's, it's like I understood it. I I understood why you you put Evangeline Lilly there because you're like, well, she hasn't really had a great like badass moment yet in this movie, and her going back to to get him. Uh, but yeah, it probably would have been stronger, Cassie. But I I didn't really honestly when it happened. I wasn't like, oh, I was like, oh no, this makes sense. This makes I sense. talked with Mike during the review that it would have been you had two options for that. She either comes through, hits him out, or you had a moment where you saw a giant man-sized fist come through the portal, knock him clean out of the building, and she just grabs him and comes back. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> or Gang uh, though in that scene, that the Jonathan Majors, hmm. just to bring us sort of back to more of the positives of that scene, Jonathan Majors' anger coming through in that as he's like he's losing. And and this is you start to realize this is the first time this guy has lost a fight with someone and is losing a fight and is going to lose. Like it, this guy's like, I don't lose, I win. Maybe it takes a little longer for me to win, but I win. And and I think that also just goes back to that um that thing about Scott Lang in this movie is just like, you know why good defeats evil. It's the line from War of the Phoenix is because we have something we're fighting for. Like that mm-hmm. is that is why I'm gonna win is because you, all you want to do is just destroy these worlds and make everything great for you. I'm fighting for my daughter. I'm fighting for my family, and I love that. I, I think that's great. But yeah, John Majors, it was just the anger. It, it was the anger he started to show, like when his his suit starts getting ripped. Um, and also just a, a cool point that I didn't really even realize until I watched Jeremy John's review is. The, I like the fact that his technology is so advanced it looks like magic in this movie, but it's technology. And that's such a cool like thing that it's just like, you know, because you know, we've seen Doctor Strange and we've seen these magic characters with like, no, this is tech, but we just can't understand it because he's, you know, Janet explains like he's just so he's so far ahead of us that we can't even wrap our brains around that this is something someone built. Um that that was really cool too with that character. That also brings me to what I um what I like about Kang and I and why also I just thought of this that why I think Ant Man works as a movie introducing him because like with Thanos he's like a giant purple alien with these stones for the universe but with Kang he's a human he's but with technology that's a really good um uh like pushing point from him like uh, and i also think that that works with him being ant man because ant man's just like a guy you know who wants to fight for his family he's like a lot more grounded uh 
versus the other mm. people. So it kind of works with like just this guy who has technology is in this movie with like this just this guy that wants to protect his family. The other reason why Kang, I think, is the perfect villain for Scott specifically is the whole thing about time. Both of these characters have lost time through various circumstances. And that and that's and that's why I think the like the deal that clearly um Kang did not hold his end of the bargain. Um that Bad that Kang. that bad <laughs> i have altered the deal pray i don't alter it any further exactly that that is like the best push that scott could have had to like like, like he says i don't have to win we just both have to lose mm-hmm. i think that line and, is just perfect and i want to speak to that by saying like Jonathan Majors is such a dynamic performer, whether he's into five bloods or even last year's like devotion. Like he just makes everything better. I have yet to dislike, I haven't seen everything by him, but I've yet to dislike him in anything. In fact, I think he's such a versatile actor and he makes so many specific choices, even in like some of the small lines that he says about, you know, like uh, you're the one with a hammer, the way he has his cadence and it's just like regality to him. It's like this, uh, as as we said, like Darth Vader in a way. Um, and the way he carries himself, I feel is so... There's something so villainous and kind of intimidating just with the way that he speaks. And mm-hmm. I, Marvel is, has had a villain problem the fa- in, in the past, and you know, so they fixed it a lot, you know, they, but sometimes they don't. Uh, this is a case where they get it so right, because you're right. Actually, that was a good... Uh, Taylor, was a good idea, because... Um, uh, and my, as y'all were talking about time and how Ant-Man has lost the time, Kang literally is time. Like that is his entire, you cannot bring Kang in unless you, t- you are going to alter time um, mm-hmm. because that's literally his whole shtick, uh, time altering. And then who else has lost time? Well, lots of people have lost time, but specifically Scott Lang. So it works really well. That's a great point and actually made me appreciate his involvement even more, even if the execution may not be there for me. I think that's a great point, and I really want to watch that again because I'm excited it's about Kang because we'll never really fully get rid of him because there's too many of them, and I'm just excited to see what Jonathan Major is going to bring to this role because he Majors I is not really good away. also at tiny, itty-bitty facial tics when he speaks. You don't notice yes. them until I start noticing over and over again that he's really good at that, and I Majors is really good at being intimidating because like you brought up the whole... I'm going to yes. kill your, I'm going to kill her and make you watch it over and over again. I felt the same way in that other than like a couple lines for Thanos, the same way I felt when Michael Keaton was in the car with Tom Holland saying, if you do this, I'm yeah. going to kill you and everyone you love. What a great you Do not scene. get yeah. a lot of those moments in MCU movies. And when they happen, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> and, and the me. thing about, about oh, that moment go is back. unlike the you know where he does break the deal later you know that 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 wasn't a false promise that was he would have done that and just forced scott lang to sit there and to watch it over i know i literally believed if i knew this wasn't a pg-13 film uh the way that majors was acting i would have believed we would have seen that literally happen on screen because i was like sure. they're gonna do it that's how much i believe him he's just gonna do it <laughs> Um, there's another great scene involving Kang and Janet where, where Janet is telling him about, um, the lie that she told Hope, you know, that, that, you know, 
that she I'll be, be back. Home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the delivery of his time time is a prison monologue was just excellent. Like I I I know we have clearly identified some faults in this script, but it's it's those little moments that I think make this an an overall compelling watch. Yeah, I, I want to just quote Steve Morris from the um the Cinephiles podcast who has said multiple times what makes a good movie good is not one brilliant idea it's a million little uh, ideas and little moments and and i think this movie is so we point them out it's so full of them and like because we're we're kind of talking about the climax here and and i know i'm sticking to this point but just when hank and his aunts reunite the excitement he has of like they lived a thousand years in one minute and look at everything they've done. And when he shows up and the ants start destroying Kang, like that. And look, Michael Douglas, it's just, we all know he's just an incredible actor. He doesn't even really have to say anything in that moment. Just his face of when the ants start and Kang is freaking out. And he's like, yeah, you fought your old badass. You fought, you hurt my family. You don't know ants. Yeah. My ants. Yeah. And that was a great moment, too. I, I like that to where it's just like Kang has been in such command for all this time. He's been in the quantum realm. And now this is the first time he's tasting defeat. And it's coming from these like little critters that he doesn't even understand. Like, what is this? Wait, hold on. Also, didn't Loki say in the original Avengers movie, does Ant have any quarrel with a boot? Yes. yes. <laughs> it all connects. It all connects. It all nice connects. Um, but yeah, um, like going with the climax, like the moment with um, Cassie, go, going back to Modoc for a minute, um, like the moment between Cassie and Modoc where they have the moment of um, don't be a dick. I, I think I said this on Mother Mike's post that it kind of makes me wonder if they subtly input that into the thing um, as a sort of um, jab at the toxic fanboys that are complaining about the MCU and all. There's like, um, like just don't be a dick. Um, and, oh, when this um, movie comes out, I'm making it on a gift and saving it on my phone just to share. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can't promise not to overuse that gif. <laughs> but um but then when like Modoc just comes right back and's like my name is Darren and I'm not a dick. <laughs> it's nice when when side villains can get their little redemptions in these movies yeah. and and they're giving you know it, it Manning and, and me went through all the James Bond movies last year. It's like Jaws and Moonraker when he comes to help oh, James yeah. at the end. It's like it's kind of fun when you know yeah. when they find these things. And also for Cassie, you know, she she mentions it like this is the dude that like broke into her room when she was six and was holding her hostage, and now. And and that just shows this sort of progression that through this movie that she's had and sort of coming into her own as a hero. It's just like she's able to look at this thing just like lying on the ground and it's just like, you're not scary. You're not evil. You're just a dick. Like, don't be a dick, man. Like, and that's really cool for her character because she could have been like, screw you. You, you like terrorized me as a kid. And, and now she's just like. She's almost grown above him and, and has that sort of sense of just like, you don't punch down, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And and again, mm-hmm. that's why I, I think Cassie's a really great addition 
of of sort of the the young avengers they're kind of building in the background of the mcu in, in these last couple of phases that i'm i'm really interested like people have been talking about i can't wait until kate bishop and cassie lang meet each other that that's gonna yes. be something oh fun gosh. when that happens it's, it's yeah. gonna be fun them and america chavez and miss marvel like yeah. i will lose my mind it's gonna be so great yeah um but yeah we haven't really talked much about about the other group um a lot um here and um it's but not like they had much to do any of it but it's like i really wish we saw more of like william jackson harper and jen tour and all that um because um that they, they didn't like they had enough to do but they didn't seem to have anything sort of major in there like they're probably just there and it's just one of those ones like i mean for the longest time i was watching the movie um things like is that michelle rodriguez playing gentura because it's got that she looks really similar <laughs> but it wasn't it was katie o'brien um I don't, I don't know who saw um black lightning on the cw but she's she's like one of the people in the um i can't remember exactly what organization but she's like she's one of the people who like takes over um you know their their hometown in the the last two okay. seasons okay. i i didn't realize that until after i left the theater like cuz the whole time like she looks so familiar but i can't i can't place the name yeah I, malcolm what your point with the freedom fires i i think this is one of those things to where you can only you know when you give focus to one thing you take focus from something else and i think it was it was important to have them it was important to have this idea that that there are these people who are who have had their lives destroyed by kang but it's also like the more we give them the less we're giving to scott and to cassie and to janet and and i think i thought it was fine i thought for what it was you know it's 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 you know it's it's old school kind of you know magnificent seven seven samurai to where it's it's the villagers who have been pushed over the heroes roll into town and they give them the sort of spring of of hope in them to sort of fight back against the the evil um and that's great and bill murray was in this movie i don't think we've mentioned that nearly enough it was one, so little of time but you know <laughs> yeah, what come on that line delivery of i'm human where it counts looking at hank brilliant bill murray like that's brilliant bill murray man like oh, and yeah. that's why you cast bill murray for that role is for that delivery and that look he gives michael douglas it's can i add for one second i'm so happy they didn't do a thing that a lot of movies and tv shows do regarding um hank and janet they have a discussion where clearly you figure out that janet and um krylar krylar yeah sure krylar yes. You know, did things. Did the, they did the old horizontal mambo, and yeah. then you get with to later with Hank, and all of a sudden he's like, "Are you going to tell me you never had to with you?" He's like, "No, I tried a few things with one girl." He's like, "What was the problem? She wasn't you, babe." And then they never fight about it ever again. It did not become so drama. Nice. They just so let nice. it go like yeah. the pulse would. It was great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those ones like um, with Bull Murray is. Um, if I knew he was only going to be in that little bit of time, um, I kind of wish they didn't show him in the trailers. Um, because sure, but the, that's also just we we have a, a big comedic actor. Well, yeah, yeah, 
no, I, I get I get that. It was like I didn't have a problem throwing the trailer, but I've I we like they showed the trailer, I thought, oh yeah, he's gonna have a but, bit more to do in this movie. But go, going back to that scene, I, I just love the aesthetic of that. It it it, it gave a, off a real cantina vibe from Star Wars, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I like that. And there's also there's a great small moment between Hank and Hope, which is when Bill Murray starts talking about like I'm you're here. He knows you're here. I'm going to bring you to him. And she starts charging up her guns and Hank just puts his hand on her gauntlet. And it's just like this that. great unspoken moment of like, I know you, I know what you want to do. This is not the time to start a fight. And then also, you know, going back to Hank and Janet's dynamic, uh, when she starts going for the ship and she's like, um, you have my back always, you know, it's just those great little connective moments of the, of these characters and everything. And that was a really great sequence. Um, and yeah, and I think the reason why you cast Bill Murray is because this character is only in one scene. We need an actor who's just going to be able to come in, sell this guy, and he did, and he was he was great, you know. And, and I also like how he's he, again going back to the fact that the quantum realm is this established world. I like the fact that like this dude was a freedom fighter, and now he kind of sold off to the bad guys so that he could you know get the rich palace. Like that's a you know that's that's um you know double oh six turning on you know mi six and. Goldeneye, it's like it's cool to sort of see these people that you thought were good and, and we have this history with, but you sold out to that guys. It, it it's nice to to see that like not everyone who fights for good stays good forever. Some people you know, they 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 take the easy way out. Yeah. And I'm glad we only had Bill Murray for the, that scene. I was so afraid we would get too much Bill Murray, even though Same. I loved the back and forth between him and Hank. I could have watched like five more minutes of that um, if we were going to get more of him. But there was with Krylar, with like the Freedom Fighters, even though I didn't necessarily love the Freedom Fighters as much, I think they were there just long enough before it felt like too much or like it was like really like overbloating the script, honestly. Um, like I wish we got more of William Jackson Harper's character because between him and Scott, like that was like the comedic stuff I was missing with Louise. And he was, they did the bit just long enough that it didn't feel like it went on too long. Um, Agreed. So, yeah. And it could have, the mind reading thing, once it's introduced, they oh, could yeah. have easily been a joke that it's just like, we keep repeating, but they, they kind of do it enough. You get, it's funny. And then just at the moment when it's about to become annoying, it stops and the mind ring only comes back for important moments. Mm-hmm. With uh, with Bill Murray, apparently the only reason he was in the film was because uh, Catherine Noon's a really big golfer and she was at a golfing tournament of with course. Bill Murray because he yeah, golfed. And, and he came up to her and said, you know, kid, I think it's time for me to get into the MCU. Can you like get me into it? And she's like, I'll see what I can do. That's, that, that's funny. Where Catherine <laughs> Newton would be the one talking to people to get Bill Murray into a movie. Brilliant. And then he Brilliant. called her. I, I saw that Jimmy Fallon interview. He called her. He was just like, hey, can I be in the MCU? Like, and mind you, the deal was probably done. But she was like, uh, yeah, sure, Bill. <laughs> and that's just, you know. Why not? That's just we love Bill Murray. It's like the fact that... The, the woman from Roadhouse, he calls he calls their husband if he's watching on TV. It's just like, I see Patrick Swayze banging your wife, and he just hangs up the phone because <laughs> that's Bill Murray. We love Bill Murray. Renegade, oh, 
stands there Bill there Murray. There also wasn't an Osmosis Jones joke in this movie. <laughs> hmm. yeah, is Bill Murray's casting in that? Hmm. And the fact that it's time travel and this is due from Groundhog Day? That's also got to be like, that's there's levels to why you cast Bill Murray in that role. Like there's just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's Bill Murray. You can only have him in the movie for so long before you feel like you're watching Bill Murray at some point. Yeah. This is so true. Yeah. yeah. Unless the movie is called lost in translation. That's or St. Vincent. Those are like the two. When he, he well, yeah, if he's a lead, that's a different Murray. story, but mm-hmm. yeah. What I'll add, though, is we kind of been talking about this, those side characters. And when I've said that my favorite parts were always Cassie and uh, Scott, uh, they still are my favorite, my favorite aspect. I feel like this, the other the other group that we had, uh, I think they, they all gave their A game. But a lot of the time you can really see that that outside of Janet, the other two had some good moments but they were kind of underserved in comparison to films past, which is not a bad thing, but you can just kind of tell in comparison because they gave the really good bits to Scott and Cassie and even uh, Janet to a degree as well too. Well, they had to because she had to explain where Kang came from. Um, And it just kind of served, it kind of like, not hurt, but it was just kind of like, oh yeah, it's fine because because Hope had such great material as her character progressed from Ant-Man to Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was just kind of sad to see her regulated like this. And yeah, the Freedom Fighters were fine. They served their purpose uh, to really show they were kind of more of ex like characters that kind of showed the world. They were exposition characters yeah. to explain what the scenario they ran. They served their purpose. And I feel like they, I don't know, even when, spoiler alert, well, spoilers at the bottom. So if you're watching this so far, what are y'all doing? Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> whoopsies. Um, exactly. But like when that, what is the name of the character with the giant eye that blasts Pew? That, oh you, boy. What's his name? I don't think name yeah like when it had the music of like I oh no you like died i was like i don't care i'm sorry <laughs> it's like i yeah, get I'll, it I, i'll be but, honest I, for, I completely forgot that character's name like that but, death scene goes like yeah. right under that one random ewok who dies in return of the jedi it's just like but that was more emotional yeah i still cry I, over that ewok <laughs> all right i do too my joke yeah to uh so i will say manning on, on your point about hope and hank is I think because both of them were such big focuses of the previous two movies, whereas Janet wasn't, I think that's the trade-off. I think that's, and that is what I like is the, it's almost like how Marty has a lot of story stuff in Back to the Future 1 and 2, and then in 3, his story becomes sort of secondary to Doc's. Until you remember, Doc Brown was a character in one and two and didn't have as much story stuff. And that's what I like when trilogies do that, when they remember that, you know, look, Kevin Feige and everybody, they understand that when this movie comes out on Blu-ray or Disney Plus, like people are going to binge these movies back to back to back. And so to give Janet more of the story stuff, since she was kind of just a throwaway character in the first movie, and then she became a little bit more of a character in Ant-Man and the Wasp. But here, this is the first time that she becomes a character. And, and honestly, it's to the point with this conversation, with what Mike said, I think this movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania because it's Scott Lang. And Janet Van, and and not Hope. Yeah. Um, one last point before we kind of move move on from the Freedom Fighters. One thing I do kind of like about their involvement is that um, we we often compare superhero movies to westerns, um, but I don't think superhero movies take enough direct influence in that. 
kind of, kind of like kind of like the Mad Max series where you know the heroes come in like come into town like they make they make their impression and then Road Warrior actually that's a great re- reference point to this movie actually exactly that's that's exactly what I was thinking Road Warrior or or Fury Road um where yeah the hero like the heroes do have their own arcs but they're also there to kind of be a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. for the civilization that they come in contact with but i i ultimately agree that it's tough to juggle that and the through line throughout the trilogy of scott and cassie's relationship agreed i yeah i i agree like i said i i think you know the freedom fighters they serve their purpose of of filling out this world and and that's great And, and like you said mike i agree i i think it was nice. And again, I, I'm such a big Westerns person. Like I saw that Magnificent Seven or or Road Warrior. Um, when you said Mad Max, I immediately agreed. Like I, I think of though that civilization that Max comes upon in that movie. Um, and the fact there's no feral kid in this. Now I'm really upset uh, ever since you brought that up. Uh, but yeah, it's great. And, and it's nice because for the heroes, you know, those stories in those Westerns are always the fact that, you know, the lone gunman kind of just comes into town and his involvement is what sort of helps these people sort of come out of this dark hole. And that is, you know, Scott Lang and his family coming into the quantum realm at this moment is these people were kind of just surviving, kind of moving from place to place, but not really ever going like, well, we can't fight this guy. And then it just takes these heroes to be like, sure you can. And it's a good thing that you do. And and then that's nice to see. Because Westerns, like, let's be honest, before comic book movies, Westerns were the comic book movie, and, and then it's sort of gone to the wayside, so it's nice. Um, and hopefully maybe that means Clint Eastwood's going to get into one of these MCU movies one day. Oh they keep more of these Western influences. <laughs> Who don't want to see him? I want to see Clint Eastwood be the one to kill Kang in Kang Dynasty as himself. <laughs> I'd oh be like, get off my lawn. <laughs> I just thought this thing. <laughs> You gotta just ask yourself, as fire all five, all six infinity stones are just five. <laughs> Matt, I just want to tell you, if they're gonna do that, they probably should do it sooner than later. The man's like 90-something. Dude, Clint <laughs> Eastwood will li- outlive everyone on this panel. I don't Every doubt that. Just knocks on he will. <laughs> door, I feel like he just goes fuck off and closes the door on him he was the one that i thought might have been thunderbolt ross if they got like a big profile that ended up being yeah. Ford. And i was like okay yeah okay sense. but harrison I don't ford know. i can see that i don't know who else is gonna but <laughs> but that's because they had to get ford because they're planning for clint eastwood to appear as himself in kang dynasty oh yeah i'm sorry guys I've spoiled so the rest setup, of... you know I, i'm it, sorry it... i'm sorry I, I, i've spoiled it all for you happened here Kevin Feige, what are you doing here as Matt? <laughs> yeah, I should have I should have had my baseball cap. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, where's the hat? Yeah, that's the only thing I'm missing here. Um, now you got uh, my mind spinning. About this is why you invite me on these shows because I bring up these random points of I want Wait, we love you for it. Kill Kank. Yeah. Wait, can we can we talk about how good of the mid credit and post credit scenes are because yes. this yes. is such a return yes. to like this is what these mid credit scenes are meant to do because Absolutely. i like a lot yeah. of phase four they did not utilize those properly and my whole thing is like we need to start connecting the pieces now that this is the multiverse saga 
And they do that. They do it so well. And they did the same thing that they did in Ant-Man. In their post-credit scene, they had literally a scene from Captain America Civil War. And they did the same thing in their post-credit scene mm -hmm. for, spoilers, Loki season two. And it is so good. Like, they set the stakes to where we are heading and it makes me so excited for when we're going to see Kang next. And I really hope we see a variant of Kang in every single thing moving forward. That's my theory. Agreed. I genuinely I, I was actually Loki. I was That's actually going to bring that up. Um, I, and I think it also just since we're talking about the post-credit scenes, I think one for Jonathan like majors, it goes to show why you take this role is that post-credit scene cuz it's like I get to be all of these variants. Like again, like I said it earlier, but one random hype man who's just like bounding on the yeah. chest of the guy next to him, like, Aah! and then also it goes to show how good of an actor Tom Hilston is because when Owen mm -hmm. Wilson is just like, uh, this is the guy that you said is super scary, like, what? And his look wow. of just like, he doesn't even look at Terror. Owen Wilson, like, yeah, like that's that's real cool. I mean, this was the guy who like took on the Avengers in the first movie, and now. Like, that just goes to show you how scary this guy is when we're looking at maybe the, like, least threatening version of him in that moment. And it's, yeah, that's that's really cool. And that, I, I agree, I think, for the post credit scenes, sometimes they're fun. We all love our shawarma scenes and everything. But it, it's nice to go back to, like, the reason why we hold our pee for several, several moments is <laughs> for this stuff. Uh, and it's great. Yes, I agree. Um, they were both I don't know King also whole... shows how important he is. Yeah, that too, yeah. I don't know a whole lot about Loki season two, um, but I hope Loki's Meredith's... in it. I, I hope <laughs> Meredith's uh, theory is correct that I heard it's gonna be on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Iris oh. Wait, what? <laughs> Kevin Feige is producing it. Sorry, Actually, there, there is one there is one thing I do know. Kevin uh, Kihi Kwan is is going to be in this oh yes yes nice. I, I i missed what did you say um short round is playing a character in loki season two all right Feature oscar winner one, I'm watching, yes i'm watching loki season two now just based you off need of to that. just based off that no nah, i'm not even watching season one i'm watching for short round no 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 well, well, that's case. does not set any point it's in loki season two hold on to your potatoes i'm canceling yes, my Meredith disney plus said. subscription <laughs> well, what I was going to quickly add first, Matt, is if you want to see short round, uh, Juan, go watch everything everywhere all at once. But Manning, you know me. That's a new movie. I have to wait until it's about three years old and then I can get around to it. What was Top Gun Maverick then? <laughs> That's <laughs> different. <laughs> That's my personality. It's different. How the heck all that I have. Everything. Different. I, I rest my case. Well, yeah. Uh. We also rest our friendship. It was nice. While it was. Wow. Oh. I'm talking about from your perspective. You're like, this is Matt. I can't do this anymore. I tried. Like but like Lincoln Lord. Park, it tried so hard. But in the end. <laughs> oh. That's a quote. It's not a reference to the band. That's a lyric. I was a nickel back in this movie. I just want this movie to have everybody know. <laughs> Like, why I mean, was Secret there no scene when will. Scott Lang was like, Cassie, look at this photograph. Every time it makes me laugh. 
See, but that's okay. gonna happen in Secret Wars. That's when Nickelback will show up. Oh my God, yeah, that's right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I tell Tank you right now, <laughs> right now, if in Secret Wars, if they have a portal type scene and you get to see Josie Scott and Chad Kroeger jump up on a building and start singing Hero, they will never top it. Ever. <laughs> well, it's just a portal's going to open. It's literally just going to be the music video that's where from Spider-Man. Yes. How was that not in No Way Home? That was someone messed I was up. So that someone bad. screwed up there. Like an orchestral version of Hero. Oh, gosh. Big mistake. When the free Spider-Man... Come on, guys. Yep. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm gonna bring this back real quickly. Yeah, um, bring it in. Bring it in. I'm gonna... All right, there we go. Every time I think I'm out, um, I'm pulling you back in, sir. Uh, so the question that I have is that obviously we're never gonna uh, Meredith have the great theory, or this way, Meredith have the great theory that like we may or may not. Hopefully, we do because more Jonathan Majors is always a great thing. Yeah. We have Kangs in some capacity in almost every little aspect we have in this phase, in some capacity. Do we think that the Kang that we saw here, this Kang, Kang the Conqueror, is he dead or no. is he still coming back? No. We do not. That <laughs> one, no. that version, the weird that part one. Of that, I think though, this is our Thanos. Uh, it is that it's version. weird that the other people that would have the closest ties to him said he was dead. That was the one where yes. I was like, because his like, his other people said yes, he is dead. Exactly. But that's, that's why I'm confused. I I think that's also we thought Darren was dead, and and that might just be a we don't understand the quantum realm yet. Yeah, and I, I brought they up to Mike that I thought he got red skulled, where he got zipped. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's what I was thinking. I I think because I think the way you build this character and and the way you have his his confrontation with Scott at the end, I think to have that be it is a waste and i don't think it does and I, I think that's also going to add to how evil this guy is is that the the kangs that banished him yeah they think he's dead like this is look this is again i'm just quoting over series here this is oh voldemort's 100 dead snape he's dead he's not coming back and then years later oh no he's back like and and i think that will be a moment with the council of kang when this guy does come back and it's going to be Oh, we're in trouble because look building up with the infinity saga with with thanos and everything the whole thing you do is we have our great heroes and and they're gonna win they're always gonna win they're always gonna come out on top but you you build this mountain of a villain to where you're like uh can they and i think kane the conqueror coming back will be that but ant-man beat him guys ant-man beat oh uh oh uh-oh. yeah we're in trouble Technically, a million ants beat him. Yes, but think if they had a million ants. Because once again, Hank Pym loves his ants. So it was just a like human versus human normal fight. Look, um, if there are any artists out there, um, can you just draw a picture of Hank Pym just hugging an ant for me so I can put on a T-shirt and like a little heart around it? Like that's all I want. That's all I want. Honest question. Honest question. So wholesome. A lot of As opposed to the fake it. questions we've been asking. Yeah, I know. I know. This one's a real one. Trust me. Okay. Um, I like, I'm one of those people that thinks that all the MCU costumes are crap thing is a big, dumb complaint because some of you need to look at some comic designs to see what truly, truly, unbelievably horrible costumes are. 
Am I the only one that literally thought they bought something from Spirit Halloween with the Egyptian Kang? <laughs> that was what if that's not Brock Spirit like, Halloween Kang, Brock? Guys. <laughs> hey, what's like what? I was going to say, more like Party City, maybe? I don't know. Party City. Okay, there we go. But you know what makes me happy about seeing that? That finally ties into Moon Knight. That ties into the whole mm. uh, pantheon of gods from Thor, Love, and Thunder. Like, that, see, as bad as that looked, I was like, oh my gosh, they finally connected these pieces together. And the Charlie Day moment of. Yes! Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia. Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> I was going Pepe Sylvia over seeing all of those Kangs being like, they're going to show up here. They could show up here. Like, I got boxes full of Pepe Sylvia. I got boxes full of Kang. Do you guys think that eventually at some point, None of you have seen Supernatural, so this is not going to be a thing that happens. At one I've point, they're, they're, okay, do you remember the point where Cass kills an entire room full of um Deans to try and train him to kill Dean? Off the top of my head, no, but I, I do remember the scenario, but just not now right. that they think he's dead and we're pretty convinced that he's coming back, do you think we're going to get a scene where he just kills? Oh, I think we're going to get a scene yes. of him killing a yes. ton of Kangs. I, I think they're going to, if it was not the guy, if it's not the guys we saw at the beginning, if there is that sort of the, the heads of the council, I think we, we will get a moment of him sort of just being like, you banished me and I'm back now and killing them. And I think that will, again, go to establish his villainy and why we should fear him. Yeah. That kind of sounds like the um, the cold open to Kang Dynasty. That would be spectacular. Him just over a body. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's almost like how you, you open Infinity War is with that ship of Asgardians and Thanos just kicking Hulk's ass. Like, that's how you establish your bad guy in the movie. And is... killing the first Avengers villain. Yeah, that too. Villain. Yeah, killing the... Massacring. Yeah. 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 Well, what I will quickly add is by saying is that I, I think, again, I, what I, I'm not as familiar with the, with the King Dynasty. I've read comics, but I'm not I'm not as deeply into the King comics. Secret Wars, now that's a different story. If that's going to be like Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars, yes, please and thank you, but that's not the case. We don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, I'm so excited because when Marvel really goes off the walls and weird, and the, the entire... Kang is a very like literally a, a weird character because time does not constrain him. Reality, he's not constrained by reality. Yeah. And that's why he makes he's really exciting. And while I may not have loved Ant-Man of the Lost Quantumania, I I like the aspect of where they are taking it further because I, I'm admittedly I, I'm not I've been a fan really of a lot of the MCU films since Endgame personally. Um, and I'm kind of getting stale, but I'm still excited because they're intriguing me with what they're doing with their villain. Like he's not necessarily a Thanos where he's back in the shadows. This man is front and center. And I really like that because he's going to be an overarching villain, but not just him, other versions of him. And it's kind of a weird mind bending thing that I'm all about. I want him to be weird. I want him to be out there. I want him to take chances because that's how Marvel is still going to be fresh and exciting. If they go weird and they go exciting, you know, they have their, you know, traditional superhero films sometimes that follow the specific formula. But they'll have these ones that are really, really just kind of 
insanely, uh, um, uh, uh, as the saying goes, balls to the wall. Uh, and I am all for that. And Kang, especially as weird as the costumes were, as soon as the, yes, as soon as the costume, as weird as the costumes were, like, that's just exciting for me as a viewer because it shows that they're, that they're willing to take a chance on the fact that people may be like, wow, they are really going deep, cut deep cuts with this one. And that gets me excited because that shows they're not, they know, they know the power they have. They know they're going to make money. So they're just like, we already have you. We're going to kind of go all in. And that's what I'm excited about. I, I do agree. I, I think that at this point, if you are invested in the MCU, like, if you're investing in the MCU, like I know there are the, the people who during phase four, for love and thunder with it, I'm never watching a Marvel movie again. But that's like, that's just like a dude on Twitter who also is just like, if you buy Hogwarts Legacy, you're an idiot. I'm downloading Hogwarts Legacy over here. Uh, you know, there are always going to be those people, but I think by this point, if you're invested in this series, you're invested in now, it's an opportunity to just kind of throw something out the wall. See what sticks. Maybe it all might not work, but you know what? Talking about the Ant-Man series, maybe doing a heist movie, a small-scale heist movie, might not work. And it did. So they, it, and it's nice to, to see Marvel take chances. Uh, me, Mike, and Brock were talking uh, before we started doing this about She-Hulk. And that show was literally just the embodiment. Just like, we're going to throw a bunch of stuff at the walls. Might not work for me. It entirely worked, and and so I I'd be happy to see like just a bunch of random Kangs pop up in different stuff, and and just I I look I'm not very familiar with Jonathan Major's work, um, but I am so excited to see this guy like just do like I, I I'm just imagining like a bunch of different versions of him, and and I imagine him just in a room with Kevin Feige and the writers just being like, can you do a, a Arnold Schwarzenegger impression? Cause we want you to be Austrian in this one. And that'd be fun to see as well. Like that'd be great. <laughs> Wait, remind me. So of the people here who hasn't seen, like who, who hasn't seen Loki season one. So they didn't see he who remains. Okay. Matt, Watch the final episode of Loki season one. If we're going to, because like, I love that like Kang the Conqueror and this is your first introduction. But when you see the way that Jonathan Majors does that version of Kang, it just makes it even more exciting to be like, we could literally see a completely different version of Kang every time we see him moving mm -hmm. forward. And I think that's what kind of makes him terrifying is like, well, who, what is Kang? Is Kang, as a villain, is it just the one conqueror? Or is it really all of them? And, like, knowing that you can't nail down Kang and, like, as, like, who is this being? And if it's just all of him in every version of him, that's kind of terrifying. And, and I think that goes back get. to the technology looks like magic to us. I, I think it is play around with that. He's so advanced that like we can't understand him. And that is kind of fun for that to be your villain because look, we, I'm talking about a different combo character here, but it's like it's the Batman thing of like, well, Batman has enough time to study his villain. He'll he'll be able to defeat him. But it's like, how can you study a villain who is he's so advanced that we think he's magic and he's not when we have actual magic people. 
Um, and that is going to be fun. And, and I think, and I think that just goes back to this movie has just sort of reignited my love for the MCU and my excitement for the future. Like, and look, yes, I, I joke about Clint Eastwood and all these things, but it, it comes more from a, and I'm just excited to see the characters and the things they're, they're going to pull out. And particularly with Kang and that post credit scene that we get this opportunity with this character to just do this stuff and, and to have a villain who, you know, maybe we won't understand and that's going to be scary, but that's also going to be cool to see how our heroes defeat them. Because like, you also know, this is how the MCU works, but it's like, that's going to be fun. And particularly I think in this phase, because now it's not, well, we have Tony and, and Steve Rogers and they're really smart. It's like, well, no, we don't. We, we don't have them anymore. And that's kind of cool too, is to see this new crop of Avengers go up against this guy. Cause it's like, I'd be terrified enough if Tony Stark and Steve Rogers were walking around fighting Kang, but Steve is, is off in the past ignoring a, a lot of historical stuff that maybe he should have helped change, but he didn't, but that's a different story entirely. And Tony I just Stark got is it. Dead. You can <laughs> have Clint Eastwood play the current version of Steve Rogers. There we go. Boom. Sorry, Dino. Chris Evans, you fired. Um, so you get off my lawn anymore. I have this scene. This scene is Falcon, Captain America, loses the shield this moment, and then it's, I can do this all day. It's freaking badass. And he's dressed like he is in Gran Torino, too. So it's just like jeans and a gray T-shirt. Oh, man. <laughs> and then he walks so up a couple the of and put a hole in your chest wrong. and I go inside you and sleep like a baby. My head, and there's no way Kevin Feige is doing this. So now I'm just going to be upset eternally. Speaking of Kevin Feige, a couple of days I thought you were going to say speaking of Eternals. <laughs> hey, I am an Eternals truther, okay? I Same. didn't see the movie, so I can't. Same. I, I think it is genuinely one of the most misunderstood Marvel films we have ever had and is one of the yeah. one of the best, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, I have not seen it, so I have of, no judgment over it. Speaking of Kevin Feige, a couple days ago, he, um, you know, through the press junkets, he's been giving some updates on the future of the MCU. And a couple things he brought up. One is that they're obviously listening to the fans and the pipeline is going to be slowing down significantly, which is a good thing for the VFX artists. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone working behind the scenes. But something else he brought up is how just how important the Fantastic Four will be. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that um, Kang's civilian name is Nathaniel Richards. So when the inevitable casting announcement comes, um, I, I, I think I think we have a pretty Are good idea. Of, me, Mike? Oh my god. <sighs> Look, I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan from the comics. Like, Mr. Fantastic is, like, one of my favorite comic book characters. My excitement level for this MCU version is, like, it's through the roof. It's through the roof. And there hasn't even been, like, a casting. My only sadness is the person I always wanted to be Mr. Fantastic has aged out. Because George Clooney is not signing, like, a 20-year deal to be Nick Richards. No, he's not. Sadly. I'm I am so excited about the Fantastic Four. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I'm just saying I was I'm cautiously optimistic for it because the director I'm not huge on, but cautiously optimistic. 
I'm just excited to have a version of the film that's getting made to not that is being made for a purpose other than to be Holding made rights. to let the rights revert. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Though, all right, I am of the camp that in Secret Wars, we're going to see Michael B. Jordan and Chris Evans, not as their MCU characters, I, but uh, as Human yes. Torch. And I will be so um, excited. Yeah. I want the Fantastic Four from the 94 movie to pop up in that film. That's what I want. Roger yes. Let, yeah. Right, let those, still alive. Look, those guys went to comic convention and were excited and then they found out that roger corman had no intention of ever releasing this movie i want them to get their just due and if you listen to um to shan mccullen on some files talk about it, the actor who played reed richards and that is also the guy who plays young henry in uh the opening scene of last crusade and he says that guy works at Universal, and he reminds you he was young Henry in the opening scene of that, and he was Reed Richards in the Roger Corman. He does not let you live that down. That's but I would too. That's Which, by the way, Marvel, I'm free. So if you're looking for a younger Reed Richards, I'm right here. Which, so that's kind of my thing with the Fantastic Four. It like so, Feige said that casting is underway, and their primary person that they want to cast first is Sue Storm. Yeah. I want them to take the route that they get a bunch of up and coming actors. I do not want a, I do not want an all star cast for a fan, Fantastic yeah. Four for Marvel's Absolutely. first family. I want them to bring these like great new talent together and to make something of their own. That's why I love so many of their casting decisions that they've done in the past and make, make your, if they do Dr. Doom, make him your big A-list star that you bring in. Don't let yes. it be the, the core four there. To, um, it's surprising. I haven't mm. uh, mentioned this superhero yet. Uh, you pull Superman, the movie, which if you listen to Richard, I talk about the movie. Uh, if you surround your, your unknown actor as the main lead with a lot of great supporting characters. No one will care if it's an unknown. And so that's why you yeah. have Gene Hackman as the villain in that movie so that you can have a who is Chris Reeves as your mm -hmm. hero. I, I agree. I think that'd be great. And and look, there's so much talent out there and, you know, in the TV pool and all that. Bring bring someone from that. Like we talked about with, with uh, Catherine in this movie. It's just like, you, you know, these, these great actors out there. You're right. Yeah. Bring, bring them in and look, Chris Evans was George Kirk in that one scene in the opening of Star Trek 09 before he was Thor. He was great, you know? So go back go back to that sort of casting mentality of just like, we don't have to know who these people are, particularly at this point, particularly with characters like Fantastic Four. Like, Reed Richards doesn't need a, a big name to play him because that character, if you know the comics, he's big enough and also the MCU is big enough at this point to where it's like, why not? Why People not? care more you, about you brought, the movie than um, who's in it. You you brought up Superman, and in that same interview, yeah, I know Feige, I did. It's weird for me, Mike. <laughs> um, Fe Feige brought up that like, wait, um, Henry Cavill, <laughs> James Gunn fired him. Kevin, bring him in. <laughs> that would be great. But what I was gonna what I was gonna say is, um, like for those who don't know, Kevin Feige before before he got into um, working with the Marvel movies, he, he interned for um, like for Richard Donner and Su Ooh. Superman, Superman, the movie is like one of his all time favorites. I think he, like he, he said he has a, a poster of Superman like in his office and he makes like every single director watch 
Superman the movie. Um, which, which honestly makes a lot of sense with the way that particularly with the people... Captain America films, that makes so much yeah. sense yep. that mm-hmm. Kevin Feige is such a fan of that because that, yeah. And look, that's just anyone who wants to make a comic book movie should watch that first Richard Garner movie regardless because it, it is a look, we know these are comic book movies so we can have sort of fantastical things, but just make sure at the core of your story. And, and again, I think to tie this back to this movie, what I was talking about with Scott's whole story is the core of your hero should always be doing good. And, and even if it's difficult and, and even if you sacrifice time with your daughter and even if you sacrifice your life or, or even, even if, you're going up against insurmountable odds that at the end of the day, you know, heroes are heroes. And, and again, I love the fact that apparently he interned with Richard Donner because that was what Richard Donner understood with these characters. And I think that is to get very overly sappy because we start talking about Superman, the movie. And that just reminds me of all these things. It's just like, like our world sucks. And so it's great to have these movies and, and I think that's why I love this movie so much and why I loved uh, Multiverse of Madness last year. It's great to have escapism and, and to have characters that just remind us that, like, it's really easy to be Kang and, and to think about yourself and to misuse people for your own benefit. It's really hard to be Scott Lang and, and to go into a, a bad situation and to think you might lose, but to still go into it. It's such an important thing. And, and it's something that we really need. And, and, to bring up another movie, I think that was something that Top Gun Maverick did great with the character of Pete Mitchell was that too. Just like, dude, it, it's good to have heroes because we need them because like I said, the world sucks and, and we just need those glimmers of hope that just like, hey, yeah, being a good person, it's hard. It's a lot harder. Like that's the George Bailey mentality. That's why people watch It's a Wonderful Life every year is because that is George Bailey to a T. He's just like, your life's going to suck if you're good, but it's good to be good and the best way they've ever said that honestly and it's a thing that doesn't get brought up enough in my opinion is when hawkeye's talking to scarlet witch in age of ultron yes. i have a bow and arrow yep. and i'm gonna go out there right now none of this none of this, none makes, of this makes sense, sense. <laughs> you walk out that door you're an avenger otherwise i'll get your brother to come and get you yeah <laughs> oh so good yeah. look mike brought up superman the movie and i just got overly sappy it happened it's it's unfortunate I and we love you for it. All good. Talk about needing heroes. Scott's going to be one of the best people to have going forward because all these kids are going to be like, guess what? We need heroes. Guess what? You have to be them. We don't have all those old people anymore. It's us now. Yeah. That's a great point you bring up, Brock. And I could almost see that scene happening with a Kate Bishop, with, with even Cassie or something. That, that moment. And look, maybe they'll even bring Clint back to do that again in a future movie of just like, look, we fought next to Captain America and Iron Man and, and all these people. They're not here now. But you know what? The reason why we beat Thanos is because they didn't give up. If they bring back, I could do this all day in some way, shape, or form with that. That would be awesome. Of Just like letting that mentality of Steve Rogers. is like, that's why we're going to win. Because we're not going to give up. They didn't give up and you're not going to give up now. That'd be awesome. And Scott is such a fanboy to where he would say that. He, that's, he, yeah, well, and they established <laughs> this to where he's like, I didn't fight Captain America. I fought, I fought with him. alongside with him. I would never fight Captain America. <laughs> so, so you know how they're, they are teasing Young Avengers like very subtly yes. throughout Phase 4? 
I have had a running theory that we're going to meet them for the first time in either Kang Dynasty or Secret War. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that happens, especially after this movie, because we 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 need we need like the next generation of heroes to rise to the occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good time. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how they're going to connect not only like young Avengers, but all of these little like pockets of heroes and teams that we have, you know. We do have Fantastic Four coming up. Deadpool's going to come in and just wreck everything, and I am so excited for that. I really hope that he has a scene with Jonathan Majors. Just, <laughs> oh god, I man. need it. I yeah. need it. Um, but then you also have like the Eternals. You have what's going on with Shang Chi. You have the Thunderbolts. Like you have all of these pockets of characters. And they're all, I love their dynamics that they already have, but where are we heading for King Dynasty and for, you know, the, for Secret Wars? Like, how are they going to work together? Are they going to have issues with each other? Like, that, I like when I get to speculate like that and think, okay, how are they going to do this? Because we watched them do it in Endgame. They brought literally everybody there, so... Hmm. Let's and see now they it. own almost everything, so they can. Yeah, because now you have X Men. Does possibly yes. the X Men get introduced in this, and and that's that's really exciting too. One step like, at a time, Matt. One step at a time. No, and and I'm just saying, and, and I, it's just it's nice because like, dude, I remember, and and I talked about this on Take Free before. Like, I remember when I fought that like the first Avengers movies. That was the peak. Like I was just like, oh, so maybe we'll get a, a couple more of these adventures. I know it in twenty twelve that that they were gonna do all this and have all this stuff, and it's so cool that to have that sort of fire igniting to me to where like I'm really excited to think about you know, and particularly like like I said, I love a Fantastic Four to see like one of my favorite heroes, Reed Richards, coming into this world. And yes, I know he was he, I know he appeared in in you know Multiverse of Madness, but really up here like that's really exciting to me and 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 to see what new characters you know and 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 how they can expand the characters that we already have established and that's a really cool thing and at the center of it with this movie we have a really cool villain to have all these heroes be built around going up against because you know i don't know who said it, but you know what Great Rare once said, your hero is really only as good as your villain. And right now, Jonathan Majors as whatever version of Kang is gonna be a good villain. Yes. So yes. yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, gonna drag that's gonna go on yeah. for a while. Uh so to wrap things up, any um any final thoughts you have on Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Manning, I'll start with you. Uh yeah, I, I don't know what else I could add other than uh, this this chapter um in the mcu didn't necessarily work for me and i feel like it although at the same time hearing the love that y'all are saying for it i understand why it worked for y'all because you gravitated toward those emotional moments and all the other noise that was around it that other stuff really honed in on y'all or really kind of like connected with you guys and i really see that and i respect that completely for me it wasn't enough as great as those moments were to really grab me in and i'm thinking i also listen 
I want to also preface this by saying those who are looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score and seeing the audience versus the critics, please just stop. I'm done with this. If critics didn't like it, they didn't like it. Yes. If audiences like Manning, it, Manning, would you like say, it, don't be a dick? <laughs> sure thing, Darren Cross. I sure do. Um, but no, it's just, that's just, it, I have already seen that on tw Twitter and I've seen people talk about it. Just, 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 it's okay. The people don't like it. It's okay. People that do like it. I'm just done and tired. <laughs> yeah, are anymore. you trying to <laughs> say that opinions were formed before they got on Rotten Tomatoes? What? You know what? I don't know. You know what? It's almost like people have an opinion and they and people have opinions. Yeah. Let's just deal with it and move on with our Look, lives. Look, I'm going to just say this line that I've said several times before. Oh, what is it? Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has a different one. If you think your asshole is better than somebody else, go home and rethink your life. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say most of them are full of shit, but you know it's, it's uh, you know what that both can too. be true. But anyway, <laughs> wrapping it up, I think it's a fine film. It's not great. It gets worse every time that I think about it, but maybe a second watch will really boost it up for me. So good, not great, great elements didn't work for me as much as y'all. All right. Meredith, your final thoughts. I really enjoyed this conversation. It really helped solidify a lot of what I feel about this movie, uh, the things that did work and the things that didn't work. I really still enjoy this. I had such a great time. I can't wait to revisit it again. I think where it worked well, it really came through the emotional story beats. Um, and the things that didn't work well, I it was it's the things that I am not getting, you know, I'm not grabbing my pitchfork over of like, how dare they do this or whatever. I think they could have done things a little bit stronger. And even some points that we mentioned that like, if they would have made a certain changes here and there, it probably would have landed a lot stronger. Um, as a critic who put, uh, who uh, contributed to the critic score, I was one of the positive ones. I have no control over how that happened. And to the other critics who thought it was bad that is your opinion man but if you're mad at me because it's a rotten score i'm so sorry it's not my fault i promise um but we're all just going to experience this differently and i think like the mcu and kevin feige has shown like he the mcu is able to adapt like i think we forget how phase after the avengers phase two was kind of a mess it took a little bit for them to find their footing again and then that's why phase three became like the dynasty that it is today. And so I think we're seeing that with like phase four was kind of a mess over in a lot of places. So we all are having our own trepidation towards it. I think this being the beginning of phase five is a, I think it is a big step in the right direction and it is showing audiences of, okay, we hear what's happened. Like we hear you. We are here to show you this is why you need to be excited. And there seems to be um, an emphasis on those emotional character beat moments and those relationships and also setting up where we're going. And they stuck the landing. If you want to say that Kang the Conqueror, Jonathan Majors, he is your villain moving forward, you have to introduce him in a way that's going to matter. And they did it. They did it so well. And I'm so excited for where we're going and honestly like as somebody who enjoyed a lot of phase four but it was just kind of 
all over the place, it feels like we're making connections again. And that makes me excited as a fan again. Awesome. Matt, what about you? Your final thoughts? Um, I, I just want to build before I get my phone boss off something Meredith said, and to once again, plug my work before I'm asked to plug it. Uh, me and Manning uh, last year went through all the Bond movies going after by actor. And something re we repeatedly said is the reason why the James Bond series has endured 60 years is because it's willing to adapt and change and not be stagnant. And the MCU is doing the same thing. Does it work all the time? No. But the fact that Kevin Feige and company are willing to throw something at the wall and see if it sticks, that's really good. Phase four was a little bit of it peeled off the walls a couple of times too much. But I think with this, it's a step in the right direction. I'll reiterate again. Uh, this I, I, I feel reinvigorated. Um, this movie gave me a, a feeling uh, that I was seeing a, a new Star Wars type adventure on the big screen that I haven't really felt in a, in a long time in movies. And that excites me. Um, it excites me moving forward for the Ant-Man series and the MCU as a whole. This being my introduction to Kang, I loved, I, I think Jonathan Majors really made a great step of being on par with, with Loki, with Thanos, uh, with Kurt Russell uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two, uh, as as one of the the all time great villains uh, in in this series. I I really just love this movie. I I love this discussion. Um, I'm excited to watch this movie again, and and ultimately, that's what I love is when I see a movie that just when I think about it, it makes me smile. When I talk about it, it makes me smile. Um, and my wrap up thing is Catherine. If you're watching this, I'm available. You hit me up at uh, Kearns underscore Matthew, all right? Shoot your shot, uh, man. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Exactly. I got Stallone poster, Expendables 3 back there. I'm just saying. I know a lot of Bill Murray's movies, so we could have the mm. three of us can hang out together. It's fine. Checkmate. I know these sites. Boom. Brock, your final thoughts? Before I also <laughs> mention, hey, Catherine, Organoid Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at golf, but I can learn. Um, I excavate more than I golf, but you know, we need to, whatever you got to take that as. Um, and speaking of her, I've watched Supernatural for literally half my life. I was so damn happy what you got announced in this film. Because she's great. And this is going to help her just explode into a bunch of other things. And at her age, she's only 26 she's going to be, she's got the whole world ahead of her. And yeah, it's just great. Again, for Young Avengers, my God. Oh, I can't wait for that stuff. But this movie was good. Like we said, a couple of things they could have just tightened up. I feel like it wanted to handle a lot. I don't think it bombed anything, but I think it still handled what it did. It just could have been like another run through the script to tighten it a little. I liked, again, that they're willing to just do weird stuff. And, like, it's movies like this where you're going to get MODOK for a movie. Otherwise, you just wouldn't have got him. I'm so happy where they just go, we're never going to use him. What's a movie where we could stick him in for, like, 20 minutes? This was perfect. I love that we've gotten to that point. And, yeah, they're not afraid to just be dumb. Because they could have called him MODOK and never mentioned how unbelievably corny that acronym for his name is. But they did, and I was so happy. I'm, I'm happy for more because for what we're getting, I was one of those people that was when everyone complained about phase four, I'm like, yeah, it, it's um, phase one again, just really big this time, like really big. That's part of what makes it seem less, but 
outside of Loki connecting some stuff in after credit scenes, this is legitimately what phase one was again. And I wanted that after Endgame because you're going to need a new crew. And exactly, you've got a bazillion people that they can put in stuff now because of all that. But also to go on mirror this point, now we're at the point of where we're connecting stuff again and we're getting after credit scenes that where it's like, holy crap, what? And we're doing stuff like that. That makes me very happy. And just, I, man, I knew Jack with the side of squat about Jonathan Majors before this, other than the end in Loki, where you have a person who was the most intimidating person in Loki talking and warning two people, including a person who's a former Avengers villain, about how unbelievably intimidating another version of himself is that he's going to play in a later thing. This is just so cool that we get to see this version of a villain. I didn't know that they were going to go to Kang right away, but that is something you can stretch for a while and save other stuff for it. It's terrifying how much of Marvel is left despite for how long it's been around. I mentioned again, there's been 31 films. I'm 32 years old. This started when I was in high school. I feel a billion years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I really liked it. I don't know if it's my favorite, but a lot of it I really did like. It's I told Michael in my in our review of it, I didn't think that in the year of our Lord 2023 that I could tell you that we are on the third movie of an Ant-Man trilogy. <laughs> Wild stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um but, yeah. Yeah, so t- to reiterate my um my thoughts at the beginning. I have always loved the Ant- the Ant Man films. Um, the first like the first two were at one point in like the top third of the MCU for me. And I have to say, especially after this conversation, Quantumania kind of belongs up there too. And you know, Phase Four. Say what you will about individual entries. I think as a whole. It was the transition phase that we needed to get us to whatever whatever we're building up to with Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. I think this was the perfect like big splash for our next big bad. Jonathan Majors, he he had he is the the perfect actor with like the right amount of range for a character who has infinite variants infinite different personalities just infinite story possibilities and i can't wait to see where phase five and phase six go from here so yeah this this was a really fun episode i'm glad that we got to do this um before we head out of here meredith where can everyone find you online you can find me on Twitter, if it's still alive by the end of this uh, recording, um, Instagram and Letterbox at Meredith Loftus. Um, I'm also part of the Next Best Picture staff, so you can check out uh, me on part- some of their podcast episodes and doing some writing, including some reviews there. And also, I write for Collider, and I wrote a whole bunch of stuff about Ant-Man that is all being published this weekend, so check it out. Awesome. And Manning, where can everyone find you? 
You can also find me on Twitter at Cine underscore man. That's C-I-N-E underscore M-A-N-N. Uh, wait, is, this, is there visuals to this at all? So people won't be able to see this, will they? What, what, Depends if we they? put it on the website or not. I'm not sure. Oh, well, if you can see it, it's right <laughs> underneath my name. So there you go. Uh, if you cannot, then, well, I'm glad I spelled it out. Um, you can also find me on uh, WFMI News 2 on at 4 p.m. every Thursdays, where I give a review. This past Thursday, I had Man of the Wasp, Quantum Mania, where uh, you'll have to see what rating I gave it. I won't tell you anything. You have to go watch it yourself on YouTube and on our website, as well as tuning in in the Piedmont Triad area in North Carolina. Um, and yeah, those are the places you can find me at the moment. And also, I guess I should probably start plugging my letterbox if I'm going to start doing stuff. So you can find me at Manning Franks. Super simple, easy to find. Awesome. Matt, where can everyone find you? Um, if if this is audio only, I'm glad to point out that, yes, behind me, I have an Expendable Street poster of Sylvester Stallone, and it is awesome. Uh, but you can find me at Kearns underscore Mafia on Twitter, Matt Movies 611 on YouTube and WordPress. I'm going to try to get back to writing. I wrote a whole article review about this movie, so please go and tell me how terrible of a writer I am so that I can make all those writing teachers feel good. You are good. I read it. Um, and you can also find me on the YouTube channel Take Free Productions, where I do a whole bunch of stuff. I host a video essay series called Second Look, where I take a movie that I feel is either underrated or overhated, and I tell you the reasons why I love love the movie episodes i've done have been on things like moneyball batman forever and dick tracy uh you can also find me as the co-host of simple tricks and nonsense which is now a live stream program with me and my buddy abe i'm gonna be honest we just um we hit go live and things happen and discussions happen don't watch it with your kids because abe is abe uh, he once burnt a dollar live on camera on take three. Okay. That should let you know who he is. Uh, you can also find me as the host of the fandom podcast, uh, which I call um, nerdy Joe Rogan. What I mean by that is it's me and the guest. We take one topic and we talk about why we love it. Uh, I've done episodes on Superman. Uh, Mike was a guest and we talked about animation. We've talked about Firefly and Serenity. Uh, it's a great, it's, it's a podcast to where um, the reason why it's called fan podcast, because fandom's kind of a dirty evil word, uh, but it, Randall and Clerk Sue, I'm taking it back, bringing the positive to it. Uh, so yeah. And, and you can also just, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm so right. used to plugging myself on channels to where people can normally find me and not watch me. So when I get the opportunity to plug myself, people might come and follow me. Um, yeah. Also, Catherine, by the way, that, that was Kearns, K-E-A-R-N-S underscore Matthew. I'm following you on Twitter, so you can just, you know, DM me. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Fuck, where can everyone find you online? <laughs> With a bucket underneath Matt while he drools over Catherine. Excuse me. I am being respectful to an actress that I admire her work on. But also, by the way, you know, um, if this is audio only, I'm six foot and built like Glenn Powell. Dear God. <laughs> and he also has very brown eyes, in case you're serious. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is also the last time you'll see me on Renegade uh, Pop Culture. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing that a company like Collider hasn't asked me to appear on any of their stuff. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird.
Catherine's going to be in the studio now. today. Lock Matt in his room. <laughs> yeah, you should drink some wine, Meredith. Okay. Um, you can find me at everything on Organoid Zero outside of Instagram. I have one, but I really don't use it. I'm mostly on Twitch, where I'm a variety streamer of mostly story-based video games. I do... A lot of content on my YouTube channel, which is mostly with Mike. The main thing that we do is Marvel reviews, movie reviews, and fresh takes, where it's just a person who is a big love of something, takes people through it. Currently, we were doing um, a comic of Kill, but that just ended. And our next one, well, it'll be out by the time this is done. It's Violet Evergarden. And none of us had seen it, so we're going through that episode by episode to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, you can just look wherever you want. Oh! On my Twitch, if anyone is a fan of Resident Evil, the midnight release of the game, I will be giving away a digital deluxe edition for it on PS5. You just have to be watching and subbed. It's five bucks in order to win something that is $80. So if you want to, head on over. Good deal. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Hive at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. You can also find us on YouTube, on Podchaser, on the Banana Meter. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. Mean escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Capes. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you guys later. Peace out.